What's up, guys? Thanks for joining our supersize What If coverage of Episode 7, What If Thor Was an Only Child, and Episode 8, What If Ultron Won. We have a couple of housekeeping items to talk about before we dive into this week's episode. First off, next Tuesday at Dreamworld Collectibles, me and Michelle Waffle Odero will be hosting a panel with X-Men series director Larry Houston. That's Tuesday, October 12th at 1 p.m. in Ventura, California. I don't know why I said Ventura. Ventura, California. Sorry, that's a cool anecdote. We're going to have Larry come and be in conversation live with me and Michelle. We will be live streaming it for those of you who are not in the area. But if you are in the area, it's free. Get some stuff signed by Larry. He is quite literally an X-Men icon. And we'll be discussing his career and all things X-Men animated series, of course. Secondly, we have our Power of X-Men shirt with Doug Ramsey in it, designed by Ascani Sun. Go check it out on MDBrower81 on Instagram. That's Ascani Sun's Instagram handle. The shirt is absolutely beautiful. I love it so much. I got a t-shirt. I got a hoodie. So I'm telling you firsthand, this is a beautiful shirt. I wouldn't put anything out there with the Power of X-Men name on it if it wasn't 100% gorgeous. And Ascani Sun is so incredibly talented as an artist. This is a -a one-of-a-kind piece he did for us. Please go check it out. And finally, I know, guys, I said I would never start a Patreon, but I was looking at the monthly expenses we have for the podcast, and I just want to sort of try to break even with it. So I started a Patreon, and I actually think it's pretty cool. I'm actually pretty happy about the things we are suggesting here. I'll add more to it as things come to me and I have more resources available for me for $1.00. You can get a shout-out on the podcast. So you pay $1 a month. I will call out your name. I will say thank you so-and-so for your support. Uh, For $3 a month, you get a shout-out plus a cool Power of X-Men sticker. It's a custom sticker. This one I have right here is of Jean in her space suit. From X-Men number 3 and I also have some Generations of X stickers which are some pretty dope looking stickers so I will mail those out to you. For $5 you get a shout out, a sticker and the ability to suggest episodes. So if you want to suggest that I talk about you know Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar or maybe you want to suggest that we have a guest like the Dodsons on it, I will take that suggestion into consideration. And for $10 a month, you get all of that, I just said, plus a monthly kiki, plus early access to book club, plus the ability to submit a question for a guest that's coming on. And guys, we've had some pretty awesome guests on the podcast. As you know, we've had Zeb Wells. We've had Cena Grace. We have Agent M coming up. We have Matthew Rosenberg. We've had video game directors. We've had the actors. So I will let you know who's coming down the pipeline and you'll be able to submit a question. Please go to patreon.com slash power of X-Men and support the show. All right, guys, let's dive into the episode. Three, two, one, 
Hello there, multiverse. I am Dayspring. And I'm Madrox, and welcome to our What If Minisode coverage. We are going to break down every episode this season of What If. Every week, you'll have me, your favorite Minisotan, along with Dayspring, and a different guest to help us dissect every single frame of this fantastic show. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hope you survive the experience. Oh man, do we have an episode this week to talk about, don't we, Daryl? We do. I And it, it is varying from past weeks where it's not doom and gloom. Uh, I think that's super refreshing that it's not a depressing episode. I do think it's a depressing episode because of the ending. Because they had to do that. Because I had that same exact thoughts. But, but anyways, before we get into it, though... Who do we have with us today? Yes, we have my partner in crime and in life. <laughs> Hello. Say hi, there we go. And we have one of our friends that consistently joins us for watching something else that we're passionate about, Star Trek. That's Josh. Hi. And that's how, wait, did you and Philip meet through Star Trek trivia? Do I remember that? not. Why am no, I making that up right now? Um, but it was Philip who brought me into the Star Trek. Oh, there. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. So um, that's how I got to know Josh and a bunch of other uh, great guys were the Star Trek gays. So once a month, you can see us in Minneapolis going to Star Trek trivia. We are the table full of gay guys who... We, uh, we are Lwaxana's baggage. Yes. So if uh, listeners out there are familiar with Lwaxana Troy... She is fabulous. She is everyone's drag mother, basically. Um, aside, so from fabulous. Demanda, aside from Demanda. Um, <laughs> I love Demanda. Demanda <laughs> reference into every episode. Um, but Waxana is fantastic. She is very fabulous. And we named our team after her because of that. So um, it's a lot of fun. So if you're in the Minneapolis area once a month, there is Star Trek trivia. Feel free to join us. Wait, can I ask you three a question? What's the most savage thing about Star Trek either one of you guys have said? Uh, Voyager should never have been made. (laughs) I I will take all of the flack for that because I know someone on this podcast really enjoys it, but (laughs) (laughs) I wonder who. I don't watch Star Trek. Mm. It, the the my issue with it is the fact that they set up this great premise of you have this seventy thousand light year journey that's going to take forever, but every single episode is a fresh start with like no context to the past, and it's, so because of that, it just it's basically seven years of what if. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see an issue with that. I think it's pretty great. Okay. To to each their own. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we have people on Power of X-Men, so we can create schisms. (laughs) I feel like Enterprise is similar. Like, it has a great premise. It's like, oh, beginning of the Federation, the very beginnings, it should be more of that TOS Planet of the Week wonderful interactions, but it had very little character development and it didn't have um, a good captain. Like Archer is just, 
he gives up on this whole planet because his dog is suspended in jello with something. That sounds terrible. I, I would too. You, I would you, too. You also hate the dog. <gasps> I'm not a fan of Orthos. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who Orthos is. I'm team T'Pol on why is this dog here? I don't understand. (laughs) And I think my most savage take is that my favorite episode of The Next Generation is Sub Rosa, which (laughs) the premise is ghost sex. And I mean, again, to each their own. And I actually tweeted about a week ago to Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Beverly Crusher, and said, you were fantastic in this episode. This should be a spooky season tradition that every Star Trek fan watches. And she actually responded in a retweet to it. <laughs> uh, made my life, like my little Star Trek heart was a flutter. Wait, that- she's a redhead, right? Yes. Yes, I had her when I was a kid. I had her action figure and I pretended she was Dr. Kimberly Shaw in Melrose Place. And I put her in a little car to reenact the accident from Melrose Place. And then later on, she would be Jean Grey and I would put clay on her belly because she was pregnant with Rachel or Cable. Right. Uh, Fantastic. Let's get Dr. Beverly on the show. Yeah, let's get Dr. Beverly on the show. I, I would be here for it. Also, looping her back into spooky season, she's the one who directed Genesis, which is possibly the scariest episode of Next Generation, when they all like devolve back into previous forms of mm-hmm. life. That's a good app. Yeah. And she was the dance choreographer for Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Wow, Dr. Yeah. Beverly, right there for the win. Wait, Philip, what is your most savage take on Star Trek? Oh, I think that that Enterprise had all that potential, but then wasted it and did all sorts of illogical things. Um, they over-sexualized a Vulcan, which should not really be a thing. Um, Unless it's a male Vulcan. <laughs> and, and they <laughs> under-sexualized the first officer. Yeah. And the captain is just not good. We, we And our shit posting in the messenger are all like, Archer's the worst. Like, no fault of Scott Bakula, it's just... Yes, because Scott Bakula is great, but the character is not. Yeah. I have no idea who that is, but I'm nodding Uh, now. (laughs) He's he's the guy from Quantum Leap. Oh, okay. I still don't know who that is. (laughs) Fair enough. But you know what I'm doing right now? I'm Googling Star Trek X-Men, and I think we have a future episode because they do have that comic book, and it's available. Is it available on... Amazon? I'm trying to see. It's on eBay. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna think... we're we're gonna read this. Daryl and I can order it and we'll scan it and send it to you guys. I mean, I'm not yep. scanning it. I'm <laughs> sending you like blurry photos from my iPhone, probably right, from brunch exactly. five same minutes thing. before we're supposed to meet. <laughs> it, that's the exact same thing in today's world. Scanning is I'm going to take a picture while I'm moving the camera on my phone. Like oh, yeah. Yes, I agree. Future episode, Star Trek. I'm here for it. I've wanted to cover it. I just haven't had an excuse to cover it. But wait, I want to know, Philip Joshua, what have your takes been on what if? Philip, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, <laughs> Let's hear it, Philip. I've enjoyed them, I think. I might have missed a few. But the ones that <laughs> I've seen with Daryl, um, like the zombie one was fun. The Star-Lord 
T'Challa was fun. Um, and I was really there for Captain Carter. Like she was awesome. And I like that um, Steve Rogers was her like number two in the suit, um, but that she was the main um, main hero and got to take the shield and go all, go all out with it. I, I have really enjoyed it. I, I think they're not above criticism, but that's probably because of who my mother is and how she raised me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think the artwork has been really, really good. I think, to be honest, on this episode, the artwork wasn't necessarily as strong or maybe not as appropriate, I felt, as for mm. some of the other ones. Um, but I, I liked last week's, which was the Killmonger one, because I thought that, well, it should have been stretched out into uh, a longer episode because it felt very, we're moving very quickly through this to try and hit all of the pieces that we need to. It, Michael P. Jordan's such a good actor and, and that they got back as much of the cast as they did and that they've done that through this entire series has been really great. Um, and I tend to like the darker things and I wish that this series would keep going darker personally. Like I, I feel like it, the Dr. Strange episode has been as dark as they've gone. And I want that to be like a baseline minimum for how dark things end up. I agree. I, I think the entire series has been pretty dark, even this episode, which was pretty lighthearted and we can get into it. I mean, that was a very dark ending. I mean, the watcher calls it out being like, Oh, what a happy ending. Oh, wait. And then there's Ultron vision coming in. Um, I, you know, I'm going to politely disagree with you on the animation for this episode. I loved Maria Hill's face when she was yes. talking to oh my god why am i jane foster i was gonna say natalie portman jane foster but like the way her eyebrow arched i was like wow that is magnificent animation versus yes. last episode where tony stark died and his glass kind of fell like that and you can tell it was like the I, it's a choice in fairness yeah. Th that was a style choice but it took me out of the episode i was like did they not have the budget to just animate a falling glass i don't know i don't work at marvel but i I've been very happy with the series. I do have weird polarizing feelings for this episode. And I'm curious, Daryl, what were your first like impressions on it? Well, like I said at the top, I think it's fun. And I think that they were going for a different vibe with this episode. And I think they struck it that it was something that I could watch and enjoy. And Thor is probably my favorite of the core Avengers within the MCU. Mm -hmm. Well, I did enjoy a Thor centric episode and seeing I, what he would become if he didn't have competition while growing up. I don't necessarily agree with what if Thor were an only child as the episode title, because I'm an only child and uh, this is not my life, but um I think that the take on what he would be if he didn't necessarily have a whole lot of responsibility and competition in those formative years was pretty interesting and brought a, an element of fun that I think we've been missing some lighthearted fun in the past few episodes. 
Yeah, I feel like this was the quintessential like 80s like teen comedy where it's like, oh, mom and dad are away. I'm going to throw a party. And then at the end, you have that classic cleanup and the one thing that gives it away. But I, first of all, Dr. Darcy and Howard the Duck, I am shipping that couple so hard. I wanted to text you when I saw that, but I was like, uh, I don't want to spoil my thoughts on it. I will be honest, I did watch Howard the Duck maybe last week. So I was also very excited. And I I love Darcy and her evolution through all of the MCU and the fact that she's coming back as strong as she has during the uh, uh, Disney Plus series that have been yeah. going on uh, that I've really enjoyed. I love that Kate Dennings like signed that contract. She's like, yes, and I will appear on all these episodes. (laughs) Yeah, like they brought her back live in WandaVision and here she is animated. And I mean, Howard the Duck, even uh, Mm. considering the George Lucas classic film, um, probably his greatest accomplishment, I'd say, as a filmmaker, George Lucas. And and Leah Thompson's best role. Yeah. Oh, she was in it. You're right. I haven't seen it since like 1987 when it first came out how does it hold up i mean i'm sure it's, it's terrible but you accept yeah. it for what it is it's it, it it there are those movies that you know are bad but you're going to enjoy it because they are and this falls squarely into that camp mm, mm. wait philip have you seen it i have not i can't the only howard the duck information i've come into this episode with is from the marvel legendary card game <laughs> where i know like, yes. like i know that he's not a, not affiliated with the team and he either does some sort of dimension jumping or investigation thing um and that he's a duck so. and, <laughs> uh, a peek into our relationship um so i will foist comics on philip and be like you need to read these so I guess I need to unearth volume one of Howard the Duck next that I have in a binder and give it to him because it is a lot of fun. The original series from the 70s and early 80s, so much fun to read. And in this, Seth Green voices him. And I was, I'm looking at the cast list right here. It looks like everyone with the exception of Brie Larson made it back. And Rene Russo. Oh, yes. Oh, it wasn't Rene Russo. Yeah, I, the the voice actress did great. Yeah, she was it, really it was great. Not her. Um, I, and and technically the Warriors three, but no one knows who they were anyway. So the cute guy from Once Upon a Time. Yes. <laughs> I'm just I'm yeah. curious why Brie Larson couldn't come back for this. When 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 you've got an Academy Award, I feel like you set different terms. And so I, I like I, I no shade on Natalie her Portman. Like that. Natalie Portman, also true. But she's got, yeah, I've got no real good answer. I, well, like I can't they, even play devil's advocate here. But Natalie Portman was uh, filming Love and Thunder, so yeah. But Brie Larson has his vested interest with the Marvels coming out. She was in mm-hmm. Shang Chi, and. I mean, I get it. This was a little bit more of a role, but like, I'm, I'm just, my natural curiosity, we don't know, but like my natural cur- curiosity is like, why, why can't they get these voice actors back for some of them? I, I understand Chris Evans and Tony Stark, right? Or mm-hmm. RDJ, because their contracts are done. They're like, peace out. But like Tom Holland and Brie Larson, like they're the next generation of MCU leaders. What, what are you doing? 
Like with with Tom Holland though, does his contract fall underneath of Marvel or underneath of Sony? I think it's Sony because when that whole thing was happening a couple years ago, he was afraid that he wasn't going to be in the MCU. Remember, he posted that Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio meme. So it's definitely Sony because Amy Pascal will have that on like Ball and Chain. But we know with recent rumors going on now, especially with Venom 2, that maybe when they went back to renegotiate those contracts, mm. things are a little bit more murky. And because they have the park rights to Disney, like, I'm just curious. I mean, like, I agree. I think it could have been a, a contract thing, but I don't see where neither party would be invested in having Tom Holland voicing the character especially since it just adds cred to them i wonder if it's my thing is is it scheduling is it pandemic is it they can't afford them and like brie larson is doing like a toyota commercial and like a True. nintendo commercial like she's got mm. she's got she's got time to do it it's because we got yeah. jeff goldblum back in this like jeff goldblum but jeff goldblum will do everything and i love him for that <laughs> i absolutely do like he he was young josh's crush because it's jeff goldblum Oh my God! In Jurassic Park, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Look at Daryl. Right here on my desk, I have Ian Malcolm. Oh, still, still does it for me. Um, so what? What about the episode in general? What did you? What did you fellows think? Oh, I had some lingering questions that sort of pulled me out of it, mostly. Um, with Thor turning into a party animal, like, does that make him still worthy to wield the hammer? Um, and when he dropped it on Captain Marvel, I'm like, she's out there rocking it. Wouldn't she be more worthy than him at that point to wield it, to lift it off of herself and stick it to him? Um, so that I think was the biggest jarring thing for me. Um, but overall, I still liked it. I still enjoyed it. Um, I also think that Captain Marvel could have kicked him all over the planet more handily than what they showed. I love the scene where they're battling in the clouds and you got that, that sort good. of thunder effect. I, I really enjoyed that. Yes. Joshua? Uh, I, I really liked it. I liked the fact that they had something that was a little bit lighter um, that pulled out away from the dark tone. So hopefully it makes more contrast with whatever the next episode is. I love the callback to like the 1980s. I am always a sucker for when they put goats in things. So the fact that Fandral wound up waking up with a baby goat on Alpha Icarus, whatever, and then also woke up in a pile of baby goats in Vegas, that, that put a smile on my face for whatever reason. Um, and then also I like that Scourge came back from um, Ragnarok. Unfortunately, he didn't say anything because Carl Urban should be in everything, but that's just me. So, yeah, overall, very good. I think that Thor is the MCU's avenue to have comedy, and it is a way to lighten the tone. And I think that took them by surprise when they released Ragnarok and they got such a great reception because Ragnarok was supposed to be the last Thor movie. And it was such a hit because people really bought into it. It's the same effect as Guardians of the Galaxy. And they sort of put it out there and they tested the waters with Guardians and they found that people really responded to it. So I think this was this season's chance to really break 
the tension for just an episode before they dive back in for the last part of the season. It was their opportunity to say, all right, let's have some fun with Thor. You know, the guy that we had some fun with a few years ago in this movie and the guy who showed up as Fat Thor. Um, So it, it was a lot of fun to see how they worked it in. And I really respect their decision for putting this episode where they did in the season that we got really hammered with a lot of tension, a lot of doom and gloom in the past few episodes. And it was very nice to just have a mostly fun romp with a character that we know is inclined to do that. Um, When you bring in anyone from Asgard, it's going to be a fun time, I feel. There's those opportunities for whimsy that aren't present with a lot of the other MCU properties. Yeah, and I, I want to piggyback off of what you were saying because I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think with uh, Ragnarok, everyone was like, oh shit, Chris Hemsworth, he can do comedy. Let's, let, let's continue this franchise because he can carry something instead of being like a very serious Thor. So I feel like this episode was very transparent in, when, in, in that they wanted to utilize Hemsworth's ability to deliver comedy in which he did really well and there are parts of this episode that i'm like this is just a fun time like i just want to see thor come in party fuck up earth and be like oh shit mom's coming back oh the, the leaning tower wait let me put it back up like the gags like that i was like yes like i'm 100 percent there for I, I think in terms of like you know context like one i would have liked to have seen why is loki like a big frost giant just because he was returned back home as a baby. But then in, in the main timeline, he looks more human. Like, is there something like the way they're raised uh, as frost giants that make them grow a certain way? I don't know. So, you know, that was one thing I would have liked some explanation. Uh, The second thing, I didn't really like the depiction of women in this. And I know the writer for this episode is, is a woman, but I think, and this is echoing one of my favorite movie industry vloggers, Grace Randolph. Like I, like Miss Marvel is kind of like the mom coming in and like breaking up the fun. And then at the end succumbs to like the male narrative lead, like I got your back, here you go. And, and even, you know, Thor's mom is coming in and she's everything better be tidy for me. And I just thought like, no, like, I think we're past narratives like that. So I was kind of like off put it by that. That's the only thing I will say. I didn't, I didn't really love that depiction of like Wendy in the treehouse having to be the stick in the mud. Yeah, I, I can see that. But I also appreciate the fact that there were as many female characters in this that were as prevalent as they were. Because to your point from earlier, they had Maria Hill, who was leading everything on the shield side because Sam Jackson got, or sorry, um, Nick, Fury Nick Fury got taken out. And then you had uh, Darcy and Jane, who were leading kind of the love triangle comedy end of the spectrum. Yeah. Then you had Captain Marvel, who was playing a sizable foil to Thor. And then Frigga, who was coming in to, you know, ultimately be the one who's going to drop the hammer if she needs to. So that I appreciated, I think, um, because it really was just him as the male lead with almost everyone else. Um, right. 
Right. But like, but then like they were all like, would this pass a Bechdel test though? Because I feel the only time Jane Foster was on, was on screen, she was talking about Thor (laughs) and like being so comically in love with her, which is fine. I think Natalie Portman did a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. I think it was comedic. It hit the the point, but like they were just talking about Thor. Like, you're not going to nuke Thor. Maria Hill's like, I'm going to nuke this entire state, you know? And like, nuke the Dakotas. And I thought it was funny. Don't get me wrong. It's just a part of me that's looking at this from an analytical lens. I'm like, well, I just think like Brie Larson's Captain Marvel would come in and be like, listen, you called me all the way from the depths of space to break up this party. No, thank you. I have more important things to do than stop a frat boys party. It just seemed beneath her. That being said, though, I think a lot of stands love Chris Hemsworth and Brie Larson. I've seen some shipping for that since Endgame. I think it was fun to see them kind of go at it. Philip, you looked like you were going to say something. Um, what you were saying there about the like the male character doesn't have that much accountability at the end. And I thought that Captain Marvel going along with it so that... Um, Thor wouldn't be held to account for messing up the planet and being as awful a person as he was being. Um, just didn't, I don't know, that part bothered me. Like, this broy frat dude, like, needs to be held to account. Like, they, he had to be held responsible for what he was doing. So Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. But, like, again, like, I think for Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, she would be like, no thanks, bitch. I'm, you beat me for yeah. this. No, you know, like you solve it yourself, but it was cute. Like, I get it. It's that 80s, like teen comedy, which I like much like you, Joshua, I will have a soft spot in my heart for always. And it's just the parents are coming home. You know, the mischievous child needs to clean things up. And, and again, I thought the voice acting, like when Natalie Portman was talking, I was like, oh, she's really good voice acting this. Like there was a sense of wonder and this level of majestic delivery of her lines that I kind of responded to. Yeah. I think all of the voice cast this episode, I'm not going to point out necessarily people in past episodes, but I think all of the cast in this one was very strong from a voice acting standpoint. Yeah. Agreed. And um, I'm looking at the the list here. Um, I don't know how to say her last name, Carrie Walgren who did Emma Frost and Wolverine and the X-Men, she provided additional voices. And now I'm curious, who, who did Emma Frost voice here? And why wasn't she, why wasn't she Emma? Yeah. Yeah, I think the more that I'm thinking about it, this may be a perfect way to introduce some mutants. Not this season. I don't think it's coming this season. No, I agree. Future seasons of What If, I think it's a great way for them to weave in references to mutants and to build sort of up to that cinematic premiere. We know that not everyone has Disney Plus and not everyone who has Disney Plus is watching any of these series, but uh, it would be a good nod and a good way to create buzz maybe in season two or three of what if, if Mm -hmm. started weaving in a couple references so that Disney plus could say, Oh, did you hear this week that there was a reference to such and such or something like that? I think that'd be a really fun way. Well, here's the thing. I think what if is suffering from not creating good buzz, like Loki and WandaVision had wonderful buzz, you know, Falcon, the winter soldier, which I enjoyed, 
I don't think had good buzz, but it was a quintessential MCU experience. I think what if is going to be forgotten about unless they do something major. And I guess that's like the point they're kind of brewing towards something with the end with Ultron vision. And I think it's going to pick up the threads of, as Joshua was saying, like last week's episode and how you and I felt Daryl, but I, I don't think right now it's going to be a game changer and not that I thought it was going to be a game changer, but I wanted to be pleasantly surprised on some end for something here. And it doesn't look like we're getting that other than a significant amount of the voice actors are coming in to voice these characters, but it's not even like it's RDJ, you know what I mean? Like RDJ would be like, Oh, so I don't know. Where, where do you guys think this is going? Where do you think this entire season is heading towards? I, for me, we have uh, the new, the next Doctor Strange movie coming up. And I want that to be a situation where they have one of the characters stop and say, uh, bring up something to the effect of what would have happened if Steve had never taken the serum, if Steve had never done whatever. And that would be a perfect opportunity for Doctor Strange to just say, well, then Agent Carter would have taken it. And through that, you have the ability to start legitimizing and paying off the things that start to get introduced here. So that way you can start to pull it into um, the MCU proper, if you want to look at it just as like the films. So that's, in my mind, what I see happening right now. Mm. I agree. I think that's the best way for it to um, tie in and be referenced and um, with the timeline splitting and all these multiverses popping out, that's where these what-ifs can be um, housed canon-wise. Otherwise, I, it would fall a little bit more flat. Like, it's what Josh is talking about with Voyager. If everything resets and these are just compartmentalized little things, it's great that they're there, um, but it doesn't carry with it the same stream of storytelling um, like the whole MCU has up until this point. And I, I wonder, and I don't know, does anyone have any idea of what the next episode or the finale are from a premise standpoint? I think we're going to get that Hyundai commercial scene <laughs> or whatever. It was, <laughs> where it's like T'Challa, Dr. Strange, Party Thor and Captain Carter fighting Ultron. Vision Ultron and and Gamora has to be somewhere in there. I think did they release already the preview, Daryl, for next week? I thought I saw it on YouTube as a I suggestion. I've seen it. I and they've been very tight on everything. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, see. it's it's been incredibly hard for us to know what's coming, and that's very different from I feel how they rolled out the live action series. And, yeah, and an element of the live action series is that you knew it was a continuous storyline, so you knew that something else was coming. I'm surprised, just like you said, they're really not milking this series for anything. And they really could. They could be building some buzz and some momentum if they really wanted to, and they're just not. And I don't know if it's because it's animated, but you really think with all of these original actors and actresses coming back for their original roles that they would really start pumping the tires on this thing, especially as we're heading into the last few episodes. 
Yeah, and it looks like I'm looking at like I I'm I think this is the mid-season trailer that someone's trying to pass off as an episode eight promo. But we see the Hyundai commercial with a different filter or whatever it is. Uh, we see Thor there with Doctor Strange, and we see Gamora as Thanos, and then we see Thanos with the Infinity Glove. So yeah, let's see where it goes. I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to try, or it could be zombie Thanos that I'm seeing here. I, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. I, I I just have no expectations. At this point, I'm like, okay, it's not it's not a WandaVision or Loki situation. This is very much his own thing. I do think we are going to see some of these in Doctor Strange 2. I think the rumors have been there why Haley Atwell's Captain Carter is front and center is because they want to bring her into the the mcu in a significant way which i'm i'm all here for having alicia from the ex-wife lead you know a new franchise yeah but yeah i don't know i mean this i i like this i enjoyed this episode overall i enjoyed it but it was very much turn off your brain and don't think too much about it which is not what i like out of my marvel experience especially since we saw wandavision loki and falcon really deal with some heavy hitting issues. And it yeah. took Thor's mom forever to get to Earth. Yes. I know. <laughs> what? Like, he had all this time and I thought the Bifrost was like that. Like, I'm dolls they're cranking his sword in a non-sexual way and all of a sudden like you would appear somewhere and it was instantaneous or almost instantaneous. It wasn't. She had, oh, she I had six layovers. She had six yes. layovers. Yes. She was definitely taking her time there. And it was like building that tension. And that's like fine. Like I get what they're doing with that. But I wanted a little bit more out of, I don't know. I just feel like it, they could have taken themselves a little seriously with some of these plots. But it's fine. Listen, it was, it was fun. It was enjoyable. It's probably going to be one of my forgotten episodes it's definitely no t'challa as star lord or captain carter episode like those were really yeah. profound uh, hey i mean there needs to be an ant-man everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and i i say that as someone who loves paul rudd and who loves ant-man and i think the first one is fun if not forgettable i agree i i, I said that the other day about oh god what were we talking about or last night we were talking about the X-Men movie on a podcast. And I said, like, this is X-Men one, no matter what you can say about it is still better than like (laughs) Ant-Man. You know what? There were a couple of Easter eggs there too, that I liked. I love that. We talked about like Odin sleep. I like that. We got all the characters in the background, like Mantis and like Nebula were there. Like that was amazing. And Rocket passed out in the sink. Rocket passed out on the sink. Um, (laughs) We got a great Gatsby nod with Thor going like that. I immediately Mm -hmm. noticed that because I'm a huge Gatsby Leonardo DiCaprio fan since Titanic. (laughs) Romeo and Juliet, actually. But um, I I thought it was fun. This is still top quality, no matter where, where I am on the spectrum. I did have a question of how the Guardians got there. But then they also gave Drax like his most nuanced understanding of, um, I don't know the proper term for the colloquialism. Like you are now the party pooper. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's not taking that one literally. <laughs> Unexpected. That's true. Yeah, that's a really awesome point there. I agree with you. 
Yeah, it's and by the way, the guy who vo- voices Drax, I always want to say Dax after the drag queen, Drax, Drax. It's he's doing a great job. I would, if I was David Batista, I'd be like, uh, no, I'm coming back. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Batista, call your agent. Yeah, get those voicemails, Batista. <laughs> like, get them. <laughs> like, and didn't he have that shady tweet of that he wasn't asked? Yeah, and then yeah. they're like, and no, yet- you are. And yet he's in a commercial for Disney Plus in that rowboat. Yeah. I mean. He, here's what I wonder. And you hear me out on this because this is pure speculation and I'm not sure if the timeline matches up. But here for um, were they doing the contracts for what if around the time that uh, Disney had sacked James Gunn because of his old tweets? And at that point, I think. Uh, Batista was the lead on the cast who was like, if guns out, I'm leaving. Yeah. And yeah. So is that a possibility that could have come into play? Yeah. I mean, it, it might have. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, I, they obviously uh, started recording for this at least a year and a half ago because Chadwick Boseman um, passed away 13 months ago or so. Yeah. And all his stuff was done by then. Um, and I think the James Gunn stuff happened around two years ago. Yeah, that's a really yeah. valid point. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, but but then why wouldn't they have Brie Larson locked in for something like that? You know, that, the, that that's just yeah. stuff that I'm curious about. I don't know how the the contract negotiations work because they, again, they got Natalie Portman, and yeah. they don't have to necessarily record everyone at the same time. But I agree with True. enough time. But and we know the pandemic affected their schedule because it was supposed to be ten episodes and versus nine. But wow, what a saving grace that they did actually get Chadwick because it has been such a pleasure hearing his voice. It has been mm-hmm. such a great actor. Um. All right. Well, anything else we need to say on this episode? I don't think so. Um. Again, I mean, I keep the optimism going every week, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what they have for us in store in just a couple days when the new episode comes out. I mean, they've obviously been keeping a pace with tension. This was a bit of a breather. I think it's going to be pretty pretty nonstop in terms of the tension from here on out. Yeah, I think the last two episodes are going to be big. Yep, I think they're I, something big. I wonder if they're going to be a two-parter where they use next week to bring in all of the negative things that have happened at the end of every episode up to now. Mm-hmm. And then that way they can really big to or build to that, you know, end of act two, what's going to happen in the actual finale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see. I mean, we, we know there's going to be an invasion of like Ultrons and we know Gamora has to come in. So, and they kind of have to assemble some kind of version of themselves. So let's see where it all goes. Yeah. All right. Well, Philip, where can the fine folks at home connect with you? Oh, I recently joined Instagram, but it's I know. a lot of bun bun pictures. Oh, we love the bunny pictures, so. Which is why I keep looking over because Nora is now digging into a pillow. Um, <laughs> Nora. But yeah, I so can't even remember my username right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that new to it. It's I'm the like, same as your how Twitter. How do I do this? How do I do it's, that? It's, on, it's the same as the Twitters, so. Boris Rex, then. Yes, right there. What about you, Joshua? Where can the fine folks at home? Uh, you can find me either on Instagram at awkward Josh, which is mostly pictures of my dog, 
or on Twitter at Ruminating T-Rex. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Daryl and I will see you all next week for the finale or not the finale, but the whole, the penultimate. Penultimate. Welcome back everyone. So we are discussing what if Ultron won in this episode of what if. So we have two phenomenal guests. So we're going to kick it off with Scott. Scott, say hello to the people. (laughs) Uh, Hi people. Uh, Paul has once again inflicted me upon you, so uh, uh, it's, it's good to be here. Every time we have you, Scott, I get so many heart emojis. It's like next level. And only half of them are from me. It's, it's <laughs> wild. So, um, But we also have a very good friend of the podcast on with us today. This is his first time on the show and it didn't take that much convincing but i've wanted him on for a while please welcome joseph hello and thank you for popping my uh podcast cherry this is a first <laughs> <laughs> could be a last most likely <laughs> no, your, no, no, no your podcast hymen is gone it be the same. <laughs> it's all gone it's all gone well we are here to discuss what if episode number Eight? It's episode number eight, isn't it? Darryl? Eight, yeah. 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 It's what if Ultron won? Dun dun dun. My initial thought, they went dark again. So they tried to lighten things up, I feel, in the middle of the season after going pretty dark and pretty heavy for the first few episodes after we got used to the concept. And now we are in the thick of things. So I'm interested to hear what people think about what this episode brought to the table and how does this change how you feel about this season of what if overall i have not been up until this point a big fan of what if um and i i think i had a lot of the issues that a lot of people have had where it felt just sort of like it's disconnected there weren't really any stakes um you know even some of the other, a lot of the other MCU shows, they do tie into the broader um, MCU narrative. And this to, this, to be blunt, so far has felt sort of like a pandemic kind of like special where they've just <laughs> sort of, uh, unintentional South Park reference, where they've just sort of um, done this content to sort of fill a space. But this episode um, where it actually ties sort of into the previous episode and gives it more of like a multiversal sort of tie-in. This was the first one I've actually really enjoyed um, because it actually now feels like a lived in kind of uh, world and concept. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I don't, here's the thing. I've been enjoying what if, I thought the last episode was a lot of fun, but just sort of out there. This one, though I have enjoyed it quite a bit, I do have some quarrels with the world building it's done with the larger MCU. The biggest one being the Watcher getting his ass kicked by Ultron with the Infinity Stones when we saw in Loki, the Infinity Stones were just in a drawer and no one cared. And so if there's so many endless Infinity Stones out there, I'm the Watcher, some guy's kicking my ass with it. Let me just hop into another universe, get all those Infinity Stones and come and whoop his ass with it. So that's the kind of part here that I felt was kind of flimsy, but I enjoyed seeing the watcher kind of like fighting, you know what I mean? Uh, Well, I'm kind of on the same page in that I don't 
typically like anthology type series. I don't, they don't grab my interest a lot because there's no stakes. And, um, but this is the first one that it was actually connected to other episodes. So I had to go back because I did not watch the Doctor Strange one previously. Uh, so I had to go back and watch that one to sort of connect the dots. So I did like this episode and I thought it was nice that, well, that maybe this is not the anthology series we thought it was or that it was kind of pitched as because now there's some you know threads that are connected. Uh, but I liked it. I think it was one of the better episodes that I've seen so far. Like last week's was kind of silly to me. I didn't love it. Uh, I liked seeing Captain Marvel, but otherwise it was, you know, it was just kind of silly. I get where you're coming from, Joseph, that I went into this series thinking it was an anthology series, that I wasn't expecting any sort of underlying thread. But since I've been watching the episodes and reviewing them, so I'm forced to really reflect on them. Because if I were just watching this and not talking in depth like half an hour each week with someone about them, (laughs) I really wouldn't have caught on to the underlying threads that they've been laying down since the beginning. So I'm not surprised to see Doctor Strange back. I think that this being the penultimate episode, they have set themselves up for a whole lot of work in that last episode. So if you're pulling Doctor Strange in, I feel like they're inclined to pull in other heroes from different multiverses. Like there are different realities that need to be woven into this finale for it to feel like something that's cohesive to Scott's point that if they're going to pull this together and tie it up and put a nice bow on the season at the very least, they're going to have to put in a lot of footwork with one episode. Yeah. And I think we knew it was going to tie in when we saw that Hyundai commercial with like T'Challa star Lord and Dr. Strange and party Thor all coming together with captain Carter. So I'm more shocked it's taken this long to get here because now they have one episode left. Like, is the last episode going to be an hour? I don't know. I never really cared. Like, yo, when I tell you I've never cared about an episode length until WandaVision, like now every time I start a Disney Plus show, I'm looking at how long the episode is. And you have to do the subtraction. So you're like, all right, it says it's this much, but minus five minutes for the credit. (laughs) (laughs) My but, thing, I, I'm worried, I don't know, worried is the right word, but like, I have a feeling it's going to be like Loki, where it was like all build up, and then that last episode, kind of nothing happened. So, yeah, maybe setting up to a second season where this will all come together more. I don't know how the ratings have been for it. I know, you know, reporting on like streaming ratings is kind of cagey. I, I know What If is in the top 10 as of like the Doctor Strange episodes. They get, there's a delayed reporting for them, but. You know, I'm inclined to agree with what Scott said about this feeling like just filler pandemic stuff, but it's been, it it was done, I think, before the pandemic, the the deals were done, everything. And I think they, the only thing that affected the production schedule is that they were going to do 10 episodes. Now we're down to nine, but I don't know. Shrug. I did think some things that were really cool in this episode were the callbacks we got like the reverse death with um, Hawkeye and Natasha. I thought that was really, I mean, I love the callbacks. Oh, but you know what I really loved? This make me this, this episode made me not like Black Widow because we actually saw Hawkeye and Natasha together kicking ass. And we were promised like this big Budapest scene, like throwback in like Black Widow because it had been hinted at for like years, possibly a decade. And I enjoyed seeing Natasha and Clint going at it. 
Yeah, um, I it was also nice to see Ultron again, um, who I felt like in the MCU was kind of done dirty, um, where, you know, he comes to life, he absorbs the internet, is disgusted with humanity, and then just goes on a rampage, and then he's done. And it's like, he's a really iconic Marvel villain. Um, and it was actually, even if it was only for like half an hour in a cartoon, it was actually nice to see like the over the top, like Ultron, um, you know, back. Um, mm-hmm. That was refreshing. Uh, I, I'm sad that James Spader didn't come back to, to voice him. I, I, did, I thought his voice was one of the better ones. The, the voice for Black Widow, I know it's Blake Bell who does Poison Ivy mm-hmm. on the Harley Quinn series, but like that's all I hear. <laughs> I just struggle with her as Black Widow. Uh, God, she's I a phenomenal he, Poison Ivy. She's great as Poison Ivy, but it did keep throwing me off when Ultron was in the Vision body and it was not the Vision voice. Like, it took me a minute to go, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> I agree. That was one of my notes here, Joseph. Like, why why didn't we get like a Paul Bettany like style voice there? But I guess it's just because of the AI and how it like vocalizes, which is fine. It it's makes not, sense, but I also wanted that voice. <laughs> it's not like at the end of X3 where Xavier wakes up in his comatoses twins body and he has the exact same voice because you're like vocal, you know, your vocals change throughout your your life. So I can I can like read it fine when it's you know machine but like yeah i mean i that was one of my notes i would have liked to have seen paul bettany voice him if you're not going to get james spader i mean you have paul bettany i i'm curious now for season two black widow uh scar joe will come back and voice and and be the voice now that she's settled with disney and she's getting tower of terror and her and her money that was owed I don't think we're seeing ScarJo as Black Widow ever again. I no, don't know. no, no. I, I, I think that, they, that ship they did sailed. her dance. They did their dance with her, and they paid her out. But I think that it's probably we're paying you. Never see you again. Like see you later. See you never. But they did confirm Tower of Terror, the, the movie she's oh. going to do. So, oh, really? But I mean, that could be contract. I'm inclined to agree with you. They're probably like, yeah, here's your money. We'll we'll honor your contract here, and now bye. And I can't see it unless they did bring her back for a voice role, which I don't know if she would consent to come back just for one voice role. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're obviously not going to have her in the live action MCU anymore. No. So they they've been piggybacking. I feel a lot of these vocal performances based on the other people filming things and them bringing them in for a day or two of voiceover. Um, but they're unless they roll onto the Tower of Terror set um, and say, "Hey, we're doing a Black Widow episode." I I can't see her agreeing to that. She, Same. I think she's ascended to like that first tier of actors, and she can take what she wants, and the rest just gets left behind. Fair, fair, yeah. Um, did you guys notice the Easter egg in Times Square um, when Ultron arrived? He behind him on the screen was Steve Rogers being sworn in as president, which is oh, an original great. "What If" issue. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. It is. What if Steve Rogers became, or what if Captain America became president? 
I haven't read it. I'm going to have to put that uh, It's an even list. deeper Easter egg than you thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> layers, layers, yeah. Um, that scene where um, Thanos arrives on Earth and Vision, or excuse me, uh, Ultron just like annihilates him in like a second. Like, that's that was it. my favorite scene. Yeah? What did you think of it? I don't know. I just, well, he steps out and you think, okay, this is going to be a drag out fight. This is going to be great. And it's over in two seconds. So I, I, don't know, I thought I enjoyed that moment. It, it, um, it gave me uh, like real strong flashbacks to uh, Secret Wars uh, where God Emperor Doom just Thanos goes to confront him and Doom just sort of reaches out and yanks out his spine and it's like over. You expect this epic sort of drawn out fight and it's just like it's so beneath them and you know Mad Titan goes down hard yeah i when i when he got all the infinity stones and he started like creating all the ultrons i really felt a sense of danger i wasn't quite sure what ultron was trying to do in seeking peace for the universe that stuff like really is still a little bit of like a question mark for me but like i get it he just wanted to annihilate the universe and then he was able to notice the watcher and then he, you know, broke through the multiverse shield and started fighting the Watcher. Again, as I said earlier, I'm not quite sure how that works in terms of power scale. I don't feel like the Watcher should, you know, necessarily bend over because Ultron has all five Infinity Stones because we've seen in canon that's not necessarily the most powerful thing. But, you know, once you're post-universe... But I was here for the fights. I was really glad to see that happen. And I'm curious to see where they're going to go next episode with, you know, Evil Strange on his side now. And the Watcher, he really threw off his house coat. He uh, he trashed that Mumu that <laughs> we're used to seeing him in. Um, and he became some sort of daddy Watcher. And um, all of a sudden, he's been lifting a lot. <laughs> spare time so he must have like a lot of screens in his uh, watcher gym to keep track of everything but i did not expect the throwdown like that yeah yeah and and the thing that bugs me i always call him utah watu the the thing that always gets me about salt watu, lake city salt lake city is you know he's here like i can't intervene i can't intervene and then he's fighting with like ultron and then he like comes to Natasha and Clint and he's like, you're so close. You're so close. Like the answer is right next to you. And I want to be like, yo, like the universe, the multiverse is at stake here. You know what I mean? Like maybe you break your code for just one second here. And like you already were punching Ultron. So like already that's a ray violation. You're already like part of a. Uh, of the situation why can't you just step in here or why don't you report to your boss i don't know who the watchers report to do we know hr hr (laughs) well that makes me i that's been my question about i think a lot of people's question about eternals like it's the same idea of like how is that going to play off is it going to be like a plot hole that they have not been involved in all these things but now suddenly are like it's a similar situation And I feel in canon, like in the comic books, I feel it's like all of the Watchers keep each other in check. I feel that there was one that was errant that they put down or something like that. Because I, It's a vague recollection of something I read in the past couple months, but I feel that they 
there are different watchers and it's a checks and balances amongst peers. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know how the watchers work, to be honest. I, I enjoy them quite a bit. Um, what was the, the series that he got murdered in? Watu got murdered in. Oh, it was a mystery series a couple of summers ago with the eye. Um, it was, yeah, wasn't it Hickman? With, um, Nick Fury then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Watcher is murdered crossover. And I talked about it the other day, Daryl. <laughs> original sin there we go (laughs) i don't know why i can't remember original sin so with the exception of that i i don't know too much about the watchers or or everything but the other thing that i will say is one of my quarrels with the series is that we haven't had much of the watchers you know history and and why he's tasked with watching it like if i'm a new marvel stand i'd be like why is this fucker watching everyone yeah um i mean you also it, at least in the comics, you also get other like cosmic entities like the Living Tribunal and other sort of absurd kind of Kirby 60s, 70s sort of figures that balance out um, people like the Watchers. But, you know, the MCU doesn't seem to be going in that direction. Uh, so like like Daryl said, it'll be interesting to see how they like weave in the Watchers and then like the Eternals and all these other um more sort of cosmic figures who've just kind of been there the whole time but really haven't been doing anything per se no i'm curious like what non-comic book marvel fans like think of the series because if you don't really understand like the whole what if thing in the watcher does it make a lot of sense if you've never read a comic but you like marvel you know like if you're watching this i'm just curious what their thoughts are yeah, I don't know yeah. many non-Marvel fans, sadly. So I don't know. I mean, I can think of like maybe like my dad who watches this stuff, but he's here like, I'm sorry, who's that again? So <laughs> I'm like, that's Scarlet Witch, Dad. How dare you? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, let's see how they explain it. You know, my quarrel with um, the Eternals has been two things. One, I'm dying for the X-Men to hit the MCU already. So I'm a little frustrated that we're getting sort of a team that is like the X-Men already hitting, which I think should have, I think their Marvel's positioning was that this would be the, the successors to the, to the Inhumans. But then of course we got the Fox Disney deal. So let's see where this goes. And two, Angelina Jolie's line where she's like, when you love something, you defend it. I'm like, bitch, where were you when Thanos came and wiped out half the universe? So you're going to have to sell me on this. And I know there's like a, what demons that they they fight against i don't know i'm totally blanking on their names but they can only intervene with the when the specific kind of villain comes in the dementors no that's harry potter (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's the deviants that they're battling and um it is conditional that only when the deviants start sniffing around and doing things on earth can the eternals come around and uh, now we have a salt lake city Uatu um, poking around. I I hope that they contain what he's doing to an animated form. I feel it works best. Um, it would be really hard to visualize what he was and what he's doing without being super creepy, as Ultron said in live action. It, it would be very awkward for them to try to fit that sort of concept in. The deviants are different because you have bad rising and them needing to appear and act. Um, 
but the watcher is something else entirely and we had one small glimpse and that was it in live action and i think that was enough it it was just a tease basically so what do we think is going to happen in the finale of what if next week i hmm, Hmm. think he's going to draw a team together but i don't know how it's going to end the season uh do they get rid of the big bad and then they're setting up next season where you have this crew of misfits all together and we see how they manage through different spaces within the Marvel universe. Yeah. I think it's going to be like the black widow from this episode with Peggy Carter, Captain uh, star Lord T'Challa. You know, I, I think it's going to be drips and drives of those characters. And I honestly think it's just going to end with a cliffhanger. I don't think we're actually going to get, any sort of resolution. I think it's just going to lead to the next season. Yeah. um, I think it's going to lead to the next season. I think it's going to point towards either um, Dr. Strange two or uh, Spider-Man three with the multiversal concepts. And we'll probably get the next season after um, those films. Yeah, I think the big rumor is right now for Doctor Strange is A, Wanda will be the bad guy in it. And then two, they're going to cross multi dimensions and worlds. And I think Captain Carter is supposed to be among them. So I agree with everyone that we're probably going to see them come back again in Doctor Strange 2. But I also think we know Gamora has been in the promos. So I wonder if the Thanos who was kind of sliced in half by Ultron his Gamora is going to come and try to take vengeance and, and save her father or avenge her father. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. All right. You have uh, major issues with Scarlet, Witch being the villain potentially in <laughs> Doctor Strange too, but I know that's not this episode. Uh- <laughs> Scott, what do you think about Wanda being a villain? Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to politely sidestep that. And <laughs> Uh, say that, you know, one of the things I am looking forward to in the MCU uh, and the multiversal stuff and the Watcher has teased it is the Fantastic Four because the Watcher was originally a Fantastic Four uh, character and, you know, we're getting the big crazy space stuff. Give me some Galactus. Give me, you know, like bigger Celestials. Let's go all out. And uh, I will offer no comment on Wanda this time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I would really hope that Galactus is no longer an angry storm cloud. Thanks. <laughs> like, what a buzzkill that was for Fantastic Four, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Scott, where can the folks at home find you? Um, if Instagram is back up oh, it's uh, back. by the time this is on, oh, it's back. It's uh, back. At, mis- at Mr. Scott Free. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, the real world, if you can find me. So yeah, <laughs> go nuts. And Joseph, where can the folks at home find you? Uh, Instagram is the best. It's JG and Petro. Uh, J, my last name is impossible. So J-G-I-A-M-P-I-E-T-R-O. Um, lots of art there. And there are links for my Patreon. Don't go to my Twitter. It's mostly me yelling at politicians, um, but it's there. <laughs> I love Twitter. I've been on Twitter all day. People are so nice on Twitter. What? <laughs> wow. What fucking twi- <laughs> Yeah. 
for Wait, first day. What what reality were you in? Because it's not Earth six one six. I don't know what Twitter you were on. I was talking to like my friend. I was like, I bet everyone here on Twitter. They're so nice. Like. You, you, also, you also do the old man Twitter thing where you're like, oh, everyone here is so nice. It is so nice to meet all of these people. I'm like, how do I use fleet? And then someone's like, bitch, that shit got deleted it's months gone. ago. That's not even a feature anymore. And I was like, how do you do Twitter live? They just mentioned something about Zack Snyder's Justice League and you will see that the Twitterverse is not so kind. Whether it's positive or negative, that seems to be the most divisive. Yeah, I'm not touching that. <laughs> I mean, we have a big episode coming up. Um, let's look at the runtime when we load that up this week, folks, and uh, see what we're in for. And then uh, buckle in, because I think we have this episode coming up, and then we are taking a break for a month and a half until Hawkeye. Yeah, Hawkeye. End of November. So we have a bit of a Marvel breather in what has seemed like a marathon this year. So um, it's going to be good. Hawkeye will be fun. And if any other Star Wars fans are out there, um, I think this year was the big year of MCU shows rolling out on Disney+. Plus. Next year is going to be very Star Wars heavy, starting off with the Book of Boba Fett at the end of this year. So it'll be interesting to see how they weave Marvel in to such a sci-fi Star Wars heavy concept that I feel they're aiming for. But we also have Investor Day, I feel, coming up this fall. Yeah. Let's so see what previews. Let's see what Investor Day brings. And that's this week's episode of What If. Join next week for our continuous coverage. Rate and review this podcast. And you can find Power of X-Men on Instagram at Power of X-Men. And find me on Instagram at Mac on Fleetwood.